I think that's one thing that might sound obvious, but for a lot of new investors, when they see that they can get a couple more points investing with someone who's brand new, they'll go for that. And that really ends up hurting your returns in the long run. As a loyal Best Ever listener, you know that it's important that we as entrepreneurs focus on managing our time effectively, which is why we're always looking for ways to automate the basic duties of our business so that we can focus more time on our money-making activities. That's why I want to introduce you to Rentler.com. At Rentler, landlords and property managers can perform all their duties in one place. Rentler offers tools that allow you to automate tasks like listing a unit for rent, finding and screening tenants, collecting rent, and managing the maintenance requests. And even better, these tools are offered at zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever to get started today. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Ray Sturm. How you doing, Ray? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Joe. Well, I'm glad to hear it and nice to have you on the show a little bit about Ray. He is a co-founder and CEO of AlphaFlow and prior to launching AlphaFlow, he founded Realty Shares, which is one of the industry's top platforms for real estate investing. And he is based in San Francisco, California. He applies the best business practices of professional investment management like diversification, rebalancing, and institutional quality data analytics with AlphaFlow. So with that being said, Ray, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Absolutely. Joe, I started my career on Wall Street in pretty traditional finance, worked in investment banking and restructuring through the downturn. And then I became an investor working in private equity for a little bit. From there, I moved to Silicon Valley and really just got into the fintech world and realized there were ways to open up investing to a whole lot of people. With the Jobs Act coming out in 2012, there was really a big opportunity. So in 2013, you mentioned Realty Shares. I launched my first company. That was one of the first real estate crowdfunding platforms. And that's more of a marketplace model that's still going today. But investors can come on, look at their own deal, choose their own deals, do their own underwriting, and happy to talk about that. And then a couple of years ago, launched AlphaFlow Next, which was, I think, the next generation of fintech, which is something more aligned with the rest of the investment world, where it's a passive approach for investors. We do all of the work. We build a diversified portfolio, but it's really about fintech and opening up asset classes that people never had access to before. So it's an exciting industry to be in these days. What is the difference between AlphaFlow and Realty Shares? I'd say AlphaFlow and Realty Shares, and really Realty Shares, most of the rest of the crowdfunding market mm-hmm. is similar. Think of a marketplace model closer to eBay, where you come on, They've got a lot of offerings for you, but you've got to choose what you want to do. They can't give you financial advice. I don't think any other player in the space is a registered investment advisor like we are. So they're legally barred from telling you what's a good investment and what's not. They need to actually just give you the information. You need to do your own underwriting, but you can see everything from debt deals to apartment equity deals to office buildings all around the country. So it's still exciting. With AlphaFlow, though, we realized that There's a large group of investors that want access to this asset class. They want this in their portfolio, but they really don't have time to do the work and especially to do the work the right way. And what I mean there is, I think it took investors a little bit of a cycle, a year or two to figure out, 
this is tough to do the right way. And it's pretty easy to pick numbers that look great and 20% returns. But when you dig in, when those returns don't actually produce, there's a reason why you have professional managers picking these deals. And so AlphaFlow was really launched to try and bridge that gap saying, you want these returns. If you're willing to pay a small fee to us, we'll pick those deals for you. And I can tell you, we just crossed our one-year birthday of our automated platform here. And we've got a delinquency rate that's about 5 to 10% of the industry's average. So it's pretty low. Wow. What is the industry average? You see anywhere between 8 and 11% around the industry. One challenge. So when I say our industry, just to be clear for your listeners here, AlphaFlow is focused a little more narrowly on residential bridge loans. So think of these as short-term 8 to 12-month loans taken out typically by developers to fix and flip a home. They're going to use our debt. I'm not actually originating the debt, but I'll work with lenders and buy their loans off of them. So these are pretty short-term vehicles here. So this is a hyper-local industry. This isn't something banks are doing. These are local lenders. And the result of that, Joe, is that it's really hard to get full industry data. So it's hard for people to understand what delinquency rates are, where the dangers are, how to underwrite these well. By partnering with a lot of these lenders, I think we've pulled together one of, if not the largest, one of the largest data sets in the world on this asset class. So we're using that to underwrite better. So our delinquency rate, as of March 6th, I need to be specific on this as a registered investment advisor. As of March 6th, our delinquency rate was 1.66%. So it was mm-hmm. pretty low. Do you all work with crowdfunding websites to pull in their deals and then have that as part of the portfolio that people who are an AlphaFlow invest in, or do you have only your own deals? We do both. We don't do our own deals, but what we do is we work with online lenders like Realty Shares, Fund That Flip, Lending Home, Peer Street, these type of groups. So we work with them. We also work with local hard money lenders around the country, and we're doing more and more business with those guys these days. So they're not online. Typically, there's someone that you're out of Cincinnati. This We work with lenders in Cincinnati that only work in Cincinnati neighborhoods they know very well. Mm-hmm. We'll come in after they've already made these loans, and we look at their loans, and we decide which ones we want to buy, and we get to cherry pick the ones we like best. Mm-hmm. That's what's been working so well for us. These days, our rejection rate is pretty high. It's about 92 93% of the loans we review, but the results have worked well. It just means you can't grow quite as quickly as you might want. Otherwise, you've got to give up quality, and just at this point, we're not willing to do that. We take us through the process from start to finish just so we have a full understanding of what you all are doing and offering. Can you do that? Yeah. So from the loan side, you've got a borrower that goes to a local lender. Let's just say that they go to ABC Lending in Cincinnati, and they're going to take out this loan. And most likely, this lender and this borrower know each other well, and they've done a lot of deals together. Once that deal's closed, we might come in at that point and that lender calls us and says, hey, I just made this loan. Are you interested in buying this? Our analytics team goes to work there. We've got an analytics program that we built in-house here. We put in the information on the borrower. We put in the information on the property. And then we start underwriting everything from the actual home itself to the wider market to understand what's going on there to the borrower and understanding what he or she has done in the past, track record, creditworthiness. If we want to move forward with that loan, We'll then go purchase that from the lender. Now, we're doing that day in and day out all around the country. So we're building a portfolio for ourselves. Now, as clients come in on the other side of our business, and our clients are anything from high net worth individuals, although people can put as little as $10,000 to start with us, but we've also got hedge funds, family offices, university endowments investing with us. So everyone's on the same terms. It's simple. And what we're doing is once clients come in, 
within a few weeks, our PPM says that we take 45 days, but the reality is these days it's typically one to two weeks. We build them a portfolio within our loan inventory, a slices basically of 75 to 100 different loans. So these days there was someone we allocated last night. This individual, for example, is in 26 different states across 85 different loans. So you get a lot of diversification. We do all of the work handling that. And we algorithmically build all these portfolios to maximize your diversification. And on a daily basis, we're rebalancing those to make sure you stay diversified. That's really where we come in. And you're optimizing for diversification, not necessarily risk and returns? Correct. So we've got thresholds where what we shoot for is an 8 to 10% net return for our investors. Everything that goes in the box is basically above our standard. Like we said, our rejection rate's pretty high. It's over 90%. So within those, we consider all of those as worthy. Within those, we haven't now delineated between what's riskier and what's not. We've got a pretty conservative view at this point. Over time, what we've been asked by a lot of our clients is can they take a little more risk for a little more return? Shoot for 9 or 10%, but take more risk. We just haven't built that out yet for what we might call an aggressive portfolio strategy. Mm-hmm. Today, it's all the same strategy. So instead of investing in one deal on a crowdfunding platform, you're investing in bits and pieces of 75 to 100 loans that you've pre-qualified through your underwriting. So it's a diversification play. Is that accurate? I think that's correct. So before 2012, if you got involved in this industry, this was very much a country club industry where you probably needed six figures. And a lot of our clients still do this locally, and they'll loan a couple hundred grand on one deal. So you're pretty heavily concentrated. What real estate crowdfunding did was bring that bar down to about $5,000 per deal. And that was a big step forward. It's just a lot of investors, they wanted to put 10 or 20 grand to work and that only meant three or four deals. So what we've done is even expand that further and offer massive diversification and candidly, just better underwriting. So I think that's one of the things people have figured out. Even clients that had large portfolios said this is too much work and it's pretty hard actually figuring out the insights of what's a good deal and what's not. It's been pretty incredible as we met with some of our institutional clients and put two deals up and asked them, can you tell which one's a bad one, which one's good? It's a lot harder to do than you'd think. So we didn't know a lot of this beforehand, but as we started to dig in with machine learning, artificial intelligence, to really dig into huge amounts of data to understand where the danger points are, that's what's brought our delinquency rate down. And I think that's really what our clients pay for when we out the well. What are the danger points? One of the big things that people... I think underestimate is that new borrowers, people doing this for the first time, have a much higher delinquency rate, even if they have a great credit score, than the other way around. That if someone's experienced and their credit score is down a little bit, and the reason for that is a lot of these projects, they're not cookie cutter. So if you're removing a wall, a lot of things can go wrong. And if you're an experienced contractor, you know how to deal with that. You know how to go get the new permit to take care of that. You've got a subcontractor to call that can come in and fix that. If you're doing that for the first time, that might double the length of your project, which pushes it out of profitability and changes the whole dynamics around the loan. So I think that's one thing that might sound obvious, but for a lot of new investors, when they see that they can get a couple more points investing with someone who's brand new, they'll go for that. And that really ends up hurting your returns in the long run. Another insight that we figured out here, Joe, is that there are three main use cases for these type of loans. You've got one is an acquisition of a property. So they're going to go buy the property and they're going to use your loan. The second is a refinance. They've already got a loan on there. They're going to refi that loan out. And the third one is a cash out refinance. So there's no debt on a project they already have. They're going to cash it out. They're going to take your loan onto it. They're going to use that money elsewhere. So 
those in the industry aren't treated differently. When I say treated, meaning it's not really priced in, that there's a difference in risk in those. Yet our modeling has shown that there's tremendous differences in delinquencies and performance between those. And that if you really focus on acquisitions with experienced borrowers, your delinquency rate can go down a whole lot just with that. So if your listeners ever want to do this on their own, either offline or even online on the crowdfunding platforms outside of AlphaFlow, that's one tip to suggest for you guys. Focus on acquisitions with experienced borrowers. Even if the rate's a little lower, it ends up paying for itself. Okay. Out of those three categories, acquisition, refi, and cash out refi, what's the riskiest? Cash out refi? Yeah, exactly. Cash out refi for a few reasons. One, you don't have a market clearing price. And you've got that with both refi and cash out refi. You've got an appraisal, but we learned in 2008 how janky those can be. They're not always reliable. So you don't have a market clearing price. You also don't have the borrower putting new capital into the project. And that's got two negative signals. One, you don't know if the borrower actually is in a good financial position. They could be using it to pay off credit card debt and such. And two, they're not demonstrating that they believe in this project. They're really just pulling cash out. So you could be catching a falling knife with a cash out refi. That's always the most dangerous project. Mm-hmm. That's very helpful, not only for individuals who are investing with crowdfunding platforms or AlphaFlow, but also people who are lending money to someone local, just to know that story and assess that risk. You mentioned you bring in other crowdfunding platforms and you buy their loans and then you also work with local lenders. And I'm not asking you to name names, but just any well-known crowdfunding platforms that you started underwriting their deals to buy, but then it was like, oh, (laughs) not working out. No, thank you. They're not doing it the right way. Yeah, I think we've had a lot of those and we go through cycles there. And honestly, it can be even a little more nuanced where we do some of their deals, but we've got one lender, I won't name them, but their top tier borrowers, the ones they consider the most reliable, they do almost 100% financing and purchase for those borrowers because they find them as worthy. And to us, that's using a crystal ball on the market and saying that if things go wrong in the market, it won't happen during this loan. And that even though you've got no skin in the game from the borrower, We're not willing to do those, but we'll actually buy what they see as a little bit riskier of loans and we see as less risky from that borrower. So something else to watch out for. It's a little maybe harder for your listeners to hear, but we've got a little bit of an ear to the ground, especially in the venture community. And one of these online platforms is trying to gear up for a venture capital round. Anyone that's ever raised capital knows showing growth before that, it always helps you convince investors and get them excited. There's a really easy way to grow in this industry in the short run, and that's lowering your underwriting bar. If you mm-hmm. can manufacture growth, pull in more. So we've often seen diminishing quality. Some of these platforms, and I know the founders, I'll often try and help them raise their capital. And I see that happening and I call it out because it's very obvious. Mm-hmm. You also see it a little bit after a race where someone announces a huge raise. Well, that new investor that came in, all of a sudden they're pushing their feet to the fire about you've got to grow, grow, grow and keep that going. So often that means the same thing returns go down. So before and after a venture capital race, we're always a little bit wary of the platform. And with AlphaFlow, have you done a venture capital raise to get your company up and running? We have. We've done a couple of little ones. It's one big difference. And I, I don't so, what, so what shortcuts did you take? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think what we decided to do, and I think my approach where it was different than Realty Shares and some of the others in the industry, is our team is tiny compared to most of the other players. So a lot of these players have 75 to 100 different people in there. We have eight full-time employees, except everyone is pretty high caliber. Most people came from somewhere else in the industry. So we were able to recruit them away from the platforms. 
Our director of investments, for example, came from Lending Home, the largest player. He was employee number 12, I think, there, helped set up all of their operations and servicing. So key industry people that can really punch beyond their weight right there. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's our little bit of our shortcut there is really telling people here in the office, you're going to work a little bit more as a founder. I'm going to give them more equity than they normally would at these other platforms. But the results are pretty strong when you've got a group of high caliber people with real ownership over this that really no one here talks about volume. We're really talking about delinquency rate and about quality. There's a culture of credit over volume and that's been working for us. And that's allowed us to raise a lot less venture than a lot of these platforms. You mentioned some of your clients are hedge funds. You have university endowments and individuals. How'd you get a university endowment? As much as you hear about these huge entities underneath them, there are individual people. And in this case, the first one we got started out with a person that had been following the industry and knew of realty shares, knew of this space, was a big fan of the returns in the space. However, didn't want to access it through the marketplace model. And so once we started AlphaFlow, he followed the news of what we were doing, reached out, and he sits on the advisory board for his university and got his university set up with us. It's a little bit slower of an approach, and we hadn't been as proactive with it, but the reality is if you do a good job in this industry, eventually you start to build a pretty strong reputation. And that's happened to us over the last six months or so that's really picked up. Do you personally invest in deals? I do. Prior to launching our automated platform last year, we ran three different closed-end funds, really just to see if this concept would work, were people interested in it. And most of my liquid net worth is in those three funds. So I'm invested exactly in this asset class like everyone else is here. Are you able to invest in AlphaFlow? The company itself? The deals. Or, that, or the platform. The platform. Yes. And yeah, you? exactly. So those three funds are AlphaFlow funds. Yes. Oh, and got it, got it, got so it. Yep. So most of my liquid net worth is in those. Based on your experience as a real estate investor and entrepreneur, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Oh, man. I think something that doesn't just narrow down to real estate, but investing as a whole from investing in companies, startups, etc., is listen to your gut. It's pretty incredible over time a sense you get underneath the surface of if something's off and you can't always explain why. And it's really easy to talk yourself out of it because you see a big headline number that's very attractive. But when you deal in the debt world, your upside's pretty much fixed at your coupon rate. So you're worried about the downside. And if something inside of you is telling you that something's off, I can't tell you how many times I did a deal when something just fell off and it just doesn't work out and you've got to listen to that voice inside you. It's, Can- it's a big thing. Can you tell us a story about one specific example? Yeah, there was one where we were looking at a deal, I'll just say on the East Coast, not to narrow the lender down too much, but the scope of work. So with every one of these projects, they've got an SOW scope of work that just lays out all of the adjustments they're going to make. Are they doing paint and carpets? Or are they actually going to tear down a wall, rebuild the house? And we were looking at this and it was a really experienced borrower, but it just didn't make sense with all the work they were going to do. It just didn't seem to match up with how little money they basically were estimating for this. And it's one of these deals where we ended up walking on the deal for reasons, very experienced borrower, the lender was telling us he's done this a million times, he knows the cost. We ended up walking on it and cost some tension with the, the lender because he thought it's a loan we should have bought from him. And it turned out that there was fraud in the deal. And it was just uh-huh. the guy was under the gun on something else and needed to pull out cash to solve one of his other problems. How'd these sort find- of things happen. How'd you find out there was fraud? The lender told me in the end, like, just to mean, we've got a good relationship with someone we've kept working with. And he came back to me and basically openly told me I screwed up on that one. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. And 
he got burned from it himself. So that's something that'll get fixed through other channels. But the reality is, this is a funny industry where there isn't a big database of how everyone's done, who you've worked with. It's a hyper-local industry. So the more information you, and the more local expertise you can pull in, the stronger it is. Without that, it's hard to underwrite these deals. On the surface, they just look too good to be true often. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sounds great. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You looking for a one-stop landlording software that helps you create listings, find and screen tenants, and accept rental payments while managing maintenance requests? Oh, by the way, it's zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever. The Invest This podcast interviews the elite in real estate investment to uncover the secrets to building an empire in every aspect of real estate investment. Visit investthispodcast.com. That's I-N-V-E-S-T-T-H-I-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com for the top 10 real estate books to build your empire and to learn more. All right, best ever book you've read? The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. It's startup focused, but I'd recommend it for any business owner. It really doesn't talk about when things are going well. It says when things are going bad, great advice on specific situations. What's one thing you've implemented from that book into your business? When you let someone go, there was a specific phrase in there. They need to lose their job, but they don't need to lose their dignity. So you're working with professionals. There's a right way to do things. And that's something that I've taken to heart every time I've needed to let go of someone. Best ever deal you've done? Oh, man. (laughs) We've now done over 700 of them. So I would say it's probably from the Realty Shares days. We did a high-end fix and flip, but we were on the equity side of things in a high-end part of LA and ended up earning basically over 20% over eight months. So great deal there, but hard to find those. What's a mistake you've made in business? Letting personal relationships get in the way of numbers that are right in front of me that are telling me that a deal is not right. Sometimes relying too much on, I've known this person for years. He's a good guy. He knows what he's doing. Even if the numbers are telling me otherwise, that's something I've gotten away from doing, both with trying to work less with call people who might bring that out of me and also just listening more to the numbers than the relationship side of things. Best ever way you'd like to give back? I am a big fan in the startup world of how much help I got along the way of acknowledging that. So to me, I think on a pretty consistent basis, I try and meet with new founders, new people starting businesses for the first time. And you'd be amazed how much little advice from everything from raising money to how do you get an office to how do you build a team? It's not just from wisdom, it's from stepping on landmines over the years. Conveying that to me is always very gratifying. And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you or learn more about AlphaFlow? They can go to alphaflow.com or they can check us out on Twitter at, at AlphaFlow or myself at, at Ray underscore Sturm. And you'll hear lots of information about what we're doing and what we're building at Alpha Club. Love to have them on. Well, Ray, thank you so much for being on the show, talking about your company's business model and why you created it, the unique value proposition of diversification among many different types of loans, and then having really a a second layer of underwriting. Because in theory, the first loan that you bought was underwritten in theory and then you all are doing another level of underwriting and then just given your investors a sliver of that but then 75 to 100 slivers of it makes up the portfolio for an investor and then the practical tips also for as you call them the danger points that you look for one is people underestimate that new borrowers 
have a much higher delinquency rate, even if they have a higher credit score. And then two, the three main use cases of borrowing either one acquisition, two refi, or three cash out refi, least risky acquisition, the riskiest cash out refi. So just some things to keep in mind. So thank you so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. The Invest This podcast interviews the elite in real estate investment to uncover the secrets to building an empire in every aspect of real estate investment. Visit investthispodcast.com. That's I-N-V-E-S-T-T-H-I-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com for the top 10 real estate books to build your empire and to learn more.